I just wanted to um, re revisit an area of my life a few months ago uh, in October. I got sciatica. How many of you remember that wonderful experience that I went through? Uh, yeah, it was the absolute worst experience I've ever had, um, just pain-wise. And uh, I mean, like, I think I ended up going into this like just a tremendous amount of pain on a Thursday morning. Um, and then Friday it got worse, and it just kept getting worse. And then uh, by Sunday, I wasn't able to come to church th- that morning. And um, I was like at level 15 and had no idea. I mean, I was like, have any of you ever been in so much pain that you were actually wanted to die? I had never had that happen except for this time. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, there's just got to be, I'm, heaven sounds so good right now. And, uh, but that, like over the course of these three weeks, so I, I went to the doctor finally. So some, some people from the vineyard came Sunday afternoon, I think to poke fun at me and to take pictures, but I hear that they were there to help. Uh, and they did help. Uh, they got me, I mean, the ER came, an ambulance came from the ER and we ended up getting rushed. And I'm like, I've never had any medical problems ever. So I'm just like, you know, like, oh, this is kind of crazy. Is this expensive? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, end up going there and get a bunch of, a bunch of um, you know, I get some shots and some pain relievers, and I'm like slowly kind of, you know, the pain's lightening a little bit, but it was still like really, really crazy. But over the course of the three weeks, I finally got on the, these different muscle relaxers and different things, and so I just basically slept for three weeks. I mean, I really didn't move around at all, and it was really great because I started, after I came to, talking to people in our in our church that were like, oh yeah, I came over and hung out with you for a couple hours. <laughs> and I was like, we, what did we talk about? And they're like, oh, you said some crazy things? And I was like, I don't remember any of those things at all. Um, but I will tell you this, that after numerous people, because Don did verify that people came, just want to let you know, I was like, did they really come over? And she's like, yeah, you were crazy. Um, after the whole entire exchange, Don um, was just telling me all these different things that people did over the course of those three weeks. Um, I felt so loved. And uh, part of it was because um, I think this is really a testimony to our church. Our church did not stop being a church because I was laid up. Um, Terry Rapley stepped in with no questions asked and spoke. And we had a lot of people who were involved over the course of that time. Um, And then we had people drop off meals uh, to our house, and, and just the acts of kindness over the whole entire time really made a difference in my life. Um, Krista Hassel brought over the best meal, um, and if she wants to do that today or tomorrow, I just want to go on record as saying, Krista, you can do that. It's totally welcome. I, I will always force myself to eat that amazing cheesy potato ham meal. Um, but kindness really does make a difference. Have you ever noticed that? Like, kindness makes a huge difference in our own personal lives, and, and I think sometimes we might not really realize the power um, of kindness, and at the same time, we don't realize how it's oftentimes just really random, small acts of kindness that make such tremendous, uh, tremendous impact in people's lives. Now, I want to back up for a minute. Our, our church's mission, when we talk about our mission, we've always said that our mission is the same as God's mission. We do not believe that our church should have some really slick trademark slogan that sounds super cool, that's disconnected from what we read in Scripture. So we always say that our mission is knowing Jesus and making Him known. 
And, and what that has to do with is that it's personal discipleship, me as a follower of Jesus growing in my personal relationship with Jesus, and then me helping other people in their discipleship to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And, and I was thinking a lot about that this week, about the different ways that we can do evangelism and discipleship. And I don't know about you, but I grew up and I hear the word evangelism and I'd be like, oh, I'm out because it's such a scary word. Anybody willing to admit that that sounds super scary? No, some of you are like, yeah, I'm an evangelist for my job, uh, you know, for my pyramid scheme. Uh, no, no. <laughs> some of you are like, whoa. But like the word evangelism is kind of a scary word for a lot of us. So who's willing to admit that the whole idea of sharing your faith is a little, okay, yeah, some of you. And then there's a lot of people who are so super spiritual here at the Vineyard. It is so great to have you. (laughs) It can be really kind of overwhelming, though, for a lot of people. And and there's a lot of different ways, though, that people share their faith. And years ago, a a number of authors were tackling this, like in the late 90s, Because what they had identified is that there's a number of ways to share faith. In fact, there was like six really common ways that people would share Jesus with others. And the the first one is direct. And this is the, 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 uh, the way that we think about people on the street, right? Handing out tracts. Anybody ever run into somebody like that? They walk up to you and tell you that you're going to hell. And you're like, oh, good morning. So good to see you right? I've had this happen numerous times. I had it happen once in Red Bluff where a guy basically told me I was going to hell and then I was trying to tell him I was a pastor and he said, well, you're definitely going to hell. And I was like, I was like, this does not compute. Um, I, was in, uh, I was in Little Rock, Arkansas a, a long time ago and I was speaking at a church conference in this town and I was going out with a friend and we were walking around and Little Rock's this like super Bible Belt world, right? And there are all these people on the streets passing out tracks and this guy walked up to me and he handed me this track and I looked at it in the front said do you think global warming is hot and he opened it and said <laughs> it was like have you ever considered hell <laughs> it was just like it's like this is the most winsome track I've ever seen in my life right so direct is one way that some people do it and, and I do want to say there are some people who I think are called by God and are also gifted in this way. There are people who are effective. I know, I have friends that they go out regularly to share the message of Jesus, and they do it in a very effective way. They, aren't, they don't do it those different ways. But direct is kind of the common thing that I think we think of when we hear the word evangelist, like the person on the street judging everybody with a bullhorn. Uh, another way is this intellectual um, approach where it's like meeting over coffee, and someone has questions about the validity of of Christian faith, like, is, is, it, is the Bible trustworthy? Or what do you say about uh, faith and science? How do those coexist? Um, other people might want to know how a loving God can exist um, in a world with so much evil and suffering. Um, other people have questions about the resurrection. Because if we're, if we're honest, if we're followers of Jesus, then we have to realize that our entire faith hinges on the, on the statement that the resurrection happened, that the tomb was empty. Everything else we do is a complete waste of time if it was not empty. And so there's people who really want to talk about intellectual aspects of faith. And I've been a part of those conversations where it, t- it takes time and there's these meetings and there's wrestling that happens. Uh, another way is testimonial. I mean, I think one of the most common questions, and I've had this verified by lots of new to church people, one of the most common questions that unchurched people have about church is, will there be people like me? And our testimonies help people understand that you can follow Jesus from every 
socioeconomic, ethnic, language background. It, it doesn't, like, Jesus invites everybody. And so the testimonial aspect of sharing our faith, I think, can't be underestimated because when people hear your story, the potential for it impacting them is, is amazing. And then another, uh, another model or approach is the relational one. I think many people in this room I know personally have had this where it's like your friends and your family members watch you come to faith and it's over the course of time. They see you change and they start to get curious and you have this over time relationship that develops and because of the relationship you have, you have the, the opportunity to share Jesus with people. I think that's also a common one. And then the invitational model, there's something unique I think that happens in church where when people are invited and they're in a context that we're in where they may experience God's presence for the first time. And then lastly, uh, the model that got kind of fleshed out heavily in the 90s was this idea of acts of kindness. And that how there were random acts of kindness that we as followers of Jesus could do that could demonstrate the love of God in a practical way that could demonstrate the love of God in a practical way. And so for the month of February, we're going to be leaning into this last theme a bit. Um, we're going to be calling it conspiracy of kindness because in the New Testament, it was actually a conspiracy um, the way that the church kind of developed out of the life and teachings of Jesus to call people to live completely different than the rest of the world. I mean, in the ancient world, the whole idea of hospitality and, and family was pretty much reserved for your, your own blood family. So the idea of extending grace and mercy and love and kindness and faithfulness and patience and all of these different attributes that we attach to, to Jesus was pretty countercultural. It was pretty countercultural, and there are many church historians that will tell you that it was because of kindness and hospitality and mercy, because of those different things that the church did, that the, the, the church spread all over the Roman Empire, because the Roman Empire was full of the opposite of those things. And so we're going to spend some time kind of leaning into this, uh, the, this, this idea of kindness, and we're going to talk about the power of kindness. I think we're going to talk about the hope that random acts of kindness bring to people. Um, we're going to talk about the opportunities that we have to lean into this fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to start by looking at a couple of scriptures, and then I want to talk a little bit about those passages of scriptures and, and the characteristics um, that we're talking about here with kindness. We're going to talk about that a, a little bit. But before we do that, I'd love to pray. Is it cool if we pray? Good, because I was going to do it anyway. So... Father, we do just thank you for, for your work in our lives and our prayer, my prayer, and I know many people's prayer in this room every week is come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, would you do work in this room? Would you do work in my heart? Would you do work in our hearts? Would you help us, Lord, to Never engage with you in your presence and your power in Scripture. Never to engage with these holy things and leave the same. Would you help transform us into the image of Jesus? Would you help us to become more like Jesus? We pray this in your name. Amen. So a couple of passages of Scripture. I just want to kind of 
I want to look at a number of passages of Scripture and then flesh it out a little bit. And then each week this, this coming month, we're going to go a little bit deeper and, and dive into some of these texts a bit more. But in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, a lot of us have heard this passage, but it says, The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. Ah, that was good. Krista, good job. That was great. Cheesy hash brown ham dish for me. All right. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Paul also writes in Romans 2, and this is such an important verse for us. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness, God's kindness, is intended to turn you from your sin? We also read in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, Ephesians 1 is an amazing passage of scripture because in verse 3 all the way to the end, it's one long run-on sentence in the original Greek that Paul writes. And it's just him overflowing with praises. But he mentions this In verses 7 and 8, he says, So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered His kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. And then finally in Colossians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13, Paul writes this, he says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized. By the way, I felt really good about reading those words this morning. I was like, oh, I I have a place here. Uh, Barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Does not matter your background. Once you come to faith in Jesus, you are united with Jesus, as we saw last week in baptisms. We're united with his death, burial, and resurrection. We belong to him, right? Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Can we say that again? Some of you need to hear this. (laughs) I'm not saying any names, but make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So, I mean, these texts of Scripture, I think, are really helpful when we start talking about the conspiracy of kindness. Um, You know... When I'm thinking, and I spent this last couple of weeks really thinking through like the dynamics of kindness, uh, because I want to go uh, and be honest with you, I'm not kind to my nature. My wife has informed me. Uh, and like oftentimes in our marriage over the 22 plus years that we've been together, I have heard this statement, and I actually, this is one of my favorite things that my wife says. She says, just be kind. And I'm like, it's easy for you. Everybody likes you. It's not that easy for me, right? 
And, and yet, truth be told, one of the things that I love about my wife and I love about many people in this church community is the kindness that I see. Um, but it's not easy for me. I, uh, I have found that I am not always kind. And sometimes the way that, that I've interacted with people might not be perceived. Because you know how you can get busy and you're just like on a mission and you're just doing your thing and you think everything is cool and then you find out that just be kind right? And so I think um, as I've been thinking about kindness and thinking about where to start in this, in this conspiracy that I think that God is inviting us as a church to engage in, um, as I thought about that more, I, I thought about constructing a biblical theology. Like, what does the Bible teach about kindness? And, and it, kind of an overall approach to kindness that we see in the Bible. And, and I think there's two things. Two basic things, two basic premises that exist in the variety of texts that we selected for today. And the first one is this. In Christ, God extends us kindness. In Christ, God extends us uh, kindness. And then secondly, we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are called to be kind to others. We, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are called to be kind to others to others. And we'll talk about that just a bit more in a second here. But, you know, the word kindness, and this is maybe a little bit of a nerd alert, but the, the word kindness, you know, in, in the Greek words that underlie the, this word, it, it's interesting because oftentimes our Bibles will translate that Greek word or the variety. There's about four different Greek words that, that get translated this. Uh, they'll translate it as kindness or loving kindness. Over and over again, you'll see these te- texts of Scripture Scriptures In the Old Testament, there's this emphasis on the loving kindness of God. And, and here's what we need to understand about kindness, though. And there's no other way around it is this. Kindness is love in action. That's what kindness is. Like when we try to define what kindness is, because that's my challenge sometimes. I'm like, I don't know how to be kind. It's like, well, just be kind. It's like, I've already answered that question. It helps me to think about how kindness is love and action. So we start asking questions about how can I put my love on display? How can I do things and live my life in a way that will help other people feel loved? Isn't that a good question? How can I speak or are there certain things that I can do that will help other people know that they are loved? And we start asking those type of questions and and things start to change. But what I think we have to do, we have to start somewhere here when it, when it comes to kindness is that we have to understand a couple of things about this order, these two things. In Christ, God extends his kindness, and we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are called to be kind to others. We can't skip to number two without camping out in number one a little bit, right? And what the Bible clearly and unequivocally says and teaches us is that we are dead in our sins, that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room. All of us are broke. When we are left to our own devices, we are broken. We are ostracized. We do not have to be told to be sinners. We are naturally good at it. Right? And, and I know like in, in outside of Christian circulars and in, in like secular humanism, it's like, no, I believe in the inherent good of people. I'm like, you obviously have not parented right? I mean, I, I always use this example, and many of you have heard it, but I, it's like, it is amazing how when you have kids, like my, our whole parenting 
story. We've been, my wife and I have been talking a lot about this lately because, you know, our, our, we have five kids and they age, they range from 20 on down to nine. So like, we're kind of getting out of the game, but we're very much in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like there's light at the end of the tunnel, but not that much light at the end of the tunnel. Are you with me? All right. So like when I think about our story of parenting, it's like when you have your first kid, it's like, oh my gosh, this kid is so perfect. We're going to do everything. And this is you, Krista. This kid is so perfect. Cal's amazing. But, and then over time, you start to realize, okay, you know, they're kind of like, yeah, they get a little mouthy sometimes. Yeah, but still perfect. You heard it. She said it. I didn't say it. Right. And then you have a second kid and it's like, you don't have to teach them to be mean to each other. Have you ever noticed that? Like no parents like, listen, I'm going to tell you how to be really mean to your sibling. Like none of us do that. We watch them naturally do that. Right. I mean, are you with me? Like, it's amazing sometimes. I'm like, they're so good at being mean. I'm like taking notes, be mean this way. Okay. Like kids are naturally that way. And that is all of us. Like the thing that the church forgets oftentimes when we get kind of snooty and we look down on the world and we're like, oh, you sinners, you guys, you girls so bad. We forget that we were just as bad. We forget that. We forget if it were not for grace, we would be in the same state of being. And that's why the church needs to lean on this, this, this message of the gospel. And, and so it's important for us to realize that the Bible clearly teaches us that we were dead in our sins Everybody in this room is in the same equal space. We are broken. We are enemies of God. We choose the wrong things over the right things. We're stuck. That's how we need to think about it. We're stuck. And yet, but by the grace of God, God extends his kindness to us through his son, Jesus, who comes to this earth, lives a perfectly sinless life, for his entire life. He never did anything wrong. That's the thing that a lot of people, well, he was mostly good. Jesus was God in the flesh and never did anything wrong. Can I get an amen? amen. Like that is explicitly clear in scripture. And then he, he willingly goes to the cross. He's beaten, he's bruised, he's spit upon, he's rejected by everybody he came to save. And then he is nailed to a cross and he is raised before the whole entire world to see and suffers crucifixion in front of the whole entire world. And he does that because he loves us and wants to be an example of loving kindness to us so that we could be saved from our sins and experience salvation. So we can't talk about being kind to people unless we start with the premise that in Christ, God's kindness was demonstrated to us. Amen? And so here's what we see, though, as we see in the, in the Bible, this, this idea gets fleshed out that I think many of us, we kind of forget about. And I've seen it like, and I'm not, I'm talking about all of us. It's not just the snooty, religious, hypocrite, Pharisee people that we all like to pick on. We forget this. We forget that, that God gave us kindness so that we could extend kindness. God gave us grace and mercy so we could extend grace and mercy. I mean, that's the whole point of the gospel. And we weren't designed, essentially, to keep all the kindness to ourselves. Like, I, I think if we could look at it comically, sometimes as Christians who are like, oh, I love that grace. I want more of that kindness. Oh, Lord, thank you for your kindness. It's so good. Fill me up, Lord. Give me all of your kindness, and I'm going to keep it all for myself. <laughs> 
like, get away from me, you know? It's like, but we do that. But the whole entire point of the gospel story, the kingdom of God, is that God willingly chooses to, to come to this earth in Jesus, dies on a cross, then we, in this, in this reality, get to experience God's loving kindness through our faith and through, by God's grace, and we experience it, and it's so good. But the whole entire point is that, is that we receive kindness so that we can turn around and give it away to other people. And that's the conspiracy of kindness, is it's not self-referential, and it doesn't stop with us. God fills us up with his kindness so that we can turn around and extend kindness to our neighbors. And I think here's the good news, is um, we can never run out of God's kindness, like, I, I think sometimes we have this, like, poverty mentality where it's like, well, I don't want to give too much of God's grace away because then I might run out. Do you realize that you could spend the rest of your life and you could give away millions and millions and millions of hours and ounces and gallons and pounds of kindness to the world around you and you would never run out of God's kindness? Amen. Do you realize that? Like, there's no such thing as like, oh, I've given a little too much of God's kindness away today. I can be a Luke, right? (laughs) Like, you can't do that. There is no amount of kindness that you can give away that God can't just replenish immediately. Did you know that in Ephesians chapter 1, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, verse 3, Paul's fleshing this out, right? He's already said that in verse 7 and 8. It's God's loving kindness that that has freed us and we get to experience. But in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all the church says, Amen. Right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In other words, all the kindness of heaven is ours in Christ Jesus. So there's no way that you can give all the kindness away and be depleted if you're doing this thing right. And what that means is if you're walking by the power of the Spirit, and if you're regularly, constantly in Christ, connected to Christ, praying, communicating, reading Scripture, engaging in the things that followers of Jesus do, you can never, ever get on empty. Amen? Amen. So good. So good. It's like D.T. Niles, one of my favorite quotes of all the, all the quotes I've heard. D.T. Niles said that Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. I love that. That's what, that's what it is. As I've experienced kindness, let me show you where I found kindness. Let me show you where I found kindness. So here's what's really cool about what we have planned for this conspiracy of kindness over the next month. What... I'm praying, and what our leadership team is praying for is we're praying that there would be more and more buy-in in our, in our church community to just, just do what Don says and be kind, okay? It's like, let's just be kind. And, and, and I'm hoping that over the course of this month, we'll have these random stories that, that will come out where people are just being kind, just doing kind things. Not for the, for, the, for the fame of it, not to get on social media, okay? This is not what you should be doing. You should not be, yeah, just being kind right now, right? Just letting you know, <laughs> letting you know. No, it's about these random acts of kindness that are not for that. It's not for the glory of the fame. It's for Jesus' name, right? 
So the, the thing that I think is really cool is this, though, is we have, if you walked in the building out there, you'll notice that there was a, a jar, um, a water bottle, and we're going to be filling it with spare change over the course of this month. And the reason why we're going to do that is because on March 16th, which is a Saturday, we're going we're gonna to have an opportunity for people who want to do something um, practical to join us, and we're going to go out and do um, this love outreach, love Red Bluff outreach. And what we're going to do is we're going to take all the change, and who knows, if there's like $10,000 in there, then we might do a whole bunch of these outreaches. But I've talked to numerous single parents. I've talked to numerous college students. I've talked to a lot of different people who say one of the most challenging things for them to do to survive is to pay for laundry at the laundromat because it costs $9,000 for one load, right? So we're, what we're going to do on that on March 16th is we're going to go to laundromats and we're just going to pay for people's laundry in a practical, kind way. And then what we're going to do when people ask a question, we're going to say, hey, this is just a practical way for us to demonstrate the love of God. And maybe there'll be conversations, maybe there won't. We'll see. But that's, that's what kind of we want to lean into. Let's stand up together. So when I was 20, I was 18 years old when I first started working at a church. I got hired as a youth pastor, and they quickly transitioned me out of youth ministry. And um, I spent time uh, working in churches like as small group pastors and all these different various associate roles. And then when I was 26 years old, my wife and I, we started attending this small church in northern Wisconsin, and I got hired as the senior pastor. And I had you know, graduated seminary, I'd read the Bible a lot, I loved theology, but like working in a church as a senior leader was like totally new to me. And so I was like learning a lot about these different things that our church did. And our church in Wisconsin had this ministry called the Woodchucks. And I remember early on, I was like, I don't really get this. But the Woodchucks was inspired by this guy who was like, Listen, in our community, there's tons of widows, there's tons of shut-ins, and most of us living in Wisconsin heat our houses with wood. So the woodchucks was this big group of, of like 14, 15 people that would go cut down trees, cut up, you know, they would chop them, chop them into logs and all that craziness with woodchuckers and wood splitters, and obviously I had no idea, but I went. And they gave me a chainsaw and I didn't die. It was a total miracle. But we would, we would do all these different things and they would just collect it and then they would distribute it. And, you know, over the course of being at that church for 12 years, I, I personally met literally hundreds of people all over our community who had stories about how this, this woodchuck ministry had come and had blessed them and they were able to survive in the winter. And so like... I, I remember at first I was like, that's such a dumb thing, cutting wood and calling it a ministry, you know? And then pretty quickly I was like, I'm so dumb for not seeing that as a really good ministry, right? And, and so I think we have to think about that as individuals and collectively as a church. We need to think about what are the things that we can do that would be small and random acts of kindness that would help extend God's kindness to people. Are you with me? All right. So I want to pray for everybody. So I want to pray for two things. Um, I've just had this sense of praying this morning just for us as a church, 
But then I want to pray for those of us in this room that kindness is not easy. Is there anybody willing to say, yeah, that's me? Shannon Niles, just put your hand up. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always easy, right? Can anybody agree? People are challenging sometimes. So if that's you, if you're, if you're like, yeah, I do, I feel like it can be challenging. I just want to pray for you as well. So, Father, I just pray for every person in this room that you would help us to be sensitive to the random acts of kindness that we can do, that we could do to extend your grace, your mercy, your love. And then, Father, I especially pray for, for those of us in this room who, who just feel uh, maybe unaware or not even sure of where to begin. Would you help give us vision and inspiration and ideas on how we can extend your loving kindness? And then, Lord, as we um, transition from this space of singing and praying and receiving communion and, and engaging with Scripture, would you, Lord, go with us now as we go into the world around us and do our best to take the love that we've received and to give it away. I pray this in Jesus' name.